Hey everybody, before we get started, I want to tell you guys about Anchor. Anchor is the easiest way to start a podcast. Whenever I wanted to start the state of Southeastern, there was a ton of things I wondered. Is anyone going to listen? Is anyone going to care? Am I going to have a website with it? But I always knew for the podcast, I was going to use Anchor. And that is because Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast, whether you have a ton of experience or not at all. They distribute your podcast for you across Spotify, Apple Podcasts, you name it, it's there. So, I'm telling you, if you have any interest in starting a podcast, Anchor is the place to be. Just head to anchor.fm to get started. What's going on, everybody? You're talking to somebody who has a degree from a school that's going to be playing playoff football next week. The Lions are moving on. 45-42 over Idaho in a game that I wish I didn't at times have rooting interest in because it was awesome. But that said, to come out on top of that game is awesome. And we're going to talk all about it. Huge win for the Lions. Third time in four years that we're going to the Sweet 16 of the FCS. Uh, But yeah, welcome to the show, everybody. John Sartori, welcome to the state of Southeastern. On today's show, obviously, like I said, we're going to recap the win over Idaho And then, no one has ever talked or previewed in the history of the sport a Southeastern Louisiana NCAA tournament game. But guess what? That changes today. That changes this week. The Lady Lions go into the NCAA tournament to take on Minnesota. We've got senior middle hitter Crispin Adams joining us. Great show with her. If you don't know anything about the world of volleyball, you're going to learn something. If you would like to learn about the world of recruiting in volleyball, a lot of insight there. And just how this program got built, because she's been there, obviously, for four years. So, great interview with Crispin Adams. And then to wrap up the show, we will preview that matchup, minnesota and Southeastern as the Lady Lions look to shock the world. And with that, let's get into the show. All right, starting things off, FCS playoffs round one. Southeastern with four minutes and 11 seconds left in the second quarter is losing to Idaho 21 to 10. And from there... The Lions roll. And um, this game was just weird. This game was super weird. All right, let's start with breaking down the storylines. Eli Sawyer can't go. Uh, Eli Sawyer suffered an injury. And for the first time since week one against Louisiana Lafayette, Cephas Johnson goes wire to wire. And he had... 
probably the best performance of his career at Southeastern. 18 of 28, 208 yards. He doesn't throw a touchdown, but he also runs the ball 12 times for 76 yards and two touchdowns. So he was huge. Um, But the second half, especially the fourth quarter, was an absolute roller coaster because, all right, so we score on the Carlos Washington Jr. touchdown with 513 left to go up 38-35. The very next play, Zai Alexander intercepts a pass and returns it for six. We go up 45-35 with 412 left. This game is over. And then Giovanni McCoy throws a 70-yard touchdown to go up um, to, for us to only have a three-point lead. And that was the second time in the quarter that it looked like we had everything under control and Idaho just punched right back because Cephas scored on a 25-yard touchdown run, an incredible run where he looked like he was down in the backfield, able to spin out of a tackle and run for six. And then Jermaine Jackson from Idaho immediately returns the kick 95 yards. There was no time to relax. And what's so annoying, what was so annoying about this game was after Cephas' touchdown run, I thought to myself, we just need to let them not score in, four, like in 30 seconds. Even if we take like four minutes for them to score, that's okay. Because time's not on their side. And Idaho just kept scoring so fast. And of course, there at the end, we get the ball back after their touchdown. They kick it deep to us. We fail to get a first down. And so we punt it back to them. With uh with a minute 35 to go. And they go right down the field. They were only 8 yards from southeastern territory to start. They were at the the 42. Uh, They get the face mask call on Arlen Williams. That moves the ball to the 22. And then with 11 seconds left, I couldn't believe what they decided to do. And I think that it wound up being the difference in the game. It wound up winning us the game. If they could go back, I'm sure it would be different. But... Hindsight 2020, and they, Idaho did not have any timeouts. 11 seconds left, they decide to have Ricardo Chavez attempt a 39-yard field goal with 11 seconds left. Now, Idaho did not have any timeouts, but I thought for sure they were going to take one shot to the end zone. I thought for sure. And... The argument there is, well, if they get tackled inbounds, then the game's over. No. If they get tackled inbounds prior to reaching the line to gain of a first down, the game's over. If they got to the 12, the clock stops momentarily to move the chains, obviously. They run up and spike it, and then they try the field goal again. But I thought with the way the game was going, for them not to attempt to throw the ball to the end zone and complete what would have been truly a miraculous comeback and a loss that would have been really hard to deal with. For them to 
kick the field goal. Before the field goal was attempted, it was a win. To go to overtime after everything that happened in the last four minutes, I thought it was a win at that point. And so I can't believe that we got that break, but we did. And then Ricardo Chavez misses once. We iced him, so he's got another chance at it. He misses the exact same way. He missed wide left twice. And with that, Southeastern is moving on. And um, for the third time in four years, we're, we're moving on. And we talked about it with Coach Artigues on the last show, on Friday's show. The advantage that home field gives you comes up big again. Because we are now 3-0 and in our last three playoff home games. All three of those wins that got us to the round of 16 in the last four years and the last three fall seasons were at home, obviously. 42 combined points in the fourth quarter. Absolutely insane. Um, Jesse Britt was so good. 13 carries, 106 yards, and he throws a touchdown to Nick Kovacs. See if it's Johnson, like I talked about. A guy who has come in and has done everything asked of him. He's played wide receiver. He's lined up in the backfield. He's played quarterback. He's been a running quarterback. And he comes in and he he goes 18 to 28, 208 yards. And made some huge throws. Especially to gauge Larvidane on some fourth downs. Maurice Massey led us in receiving four catches, 61 yards. And then, of course, defensively, Zai Alexander with the pick six. Ian Goodley had a great game. Forced a fumble on the first play of the game, and he led us with 10 tackles. So now we move on to Samford. And we will preview that matchup in full on Friday's show. Whew. But you got to feel better about... This is the best we've had to feel about a matchup in the second round. Maybe ever? I'm trying to think, you know. Of course, we went into James Madison thinking we need to play a perfect game. We went into Montana thinking we need to play a perfect game. And, I mean, offensively, we nearly did, you know. And then, um, you know, I'm trying to think. I think New Hampshire is the only other one. And a game that we probably should have won. You know, real heartbreaker. And then, uh, you know, 2014, we lose to Sam Houston in the first round. The only time we haven't gotten out of the first round. But, um, yeah, lose 20-17 to to New Hampshire in 2013. So... Definitely since then, got to be the most favorable second-round matchup. Going to Samford, getting to stay close to home in Birmingham. We'll talk all about that matchup on Friday's show. But today, it's all about volleyball. The Lady Lions headed to the NCAA tournament to face Minnesota. What a turnaround it's been for them. Coach Jeremy White leading the Lady Lions to the first ever NCAA tournament game. Great interview coming up with senior middle hitter 
Crispin Adams. All right, we are now joined by Southeastern Louisiana volleyball middle hitter Crispin Adams, who's getting ready to graduate. So busy person. Crispin, thank you so much for, for joining us today. Yeah, no problem. It sounded like fun. Well, hopefully it is. I hope I hope that <laughs> you I hope that your expectations remain the same. All right. So first off, I mean, just getting ready to go to Minnesota. That's got to be surreal just throughout your volleyball career, you know, from growing up and, you know, having such an interest in the sport to play it collegiately. Now you get to go play in the NCAA tournament. It's got to be crazy. Yes, it is. I mean, it's what everybody has always dreamed of, all of us on the team, like just an amazing experiment, experience, and we're all just excited to get to go. Now, have you been to Minnesota before for anything? No, never. What is the craziest atmosphere that you've played in so far? Um, for college or just like uh, just here? in general? Let's just let's just go all 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 of the above. Um, I I think Las Vegas was really fun. If I'm being when, honest. When was that? Um, I did that in high school. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. And so you are from Brookshire, Texas. Yes. Where is Brookshire? It's in Houston. It's one of the. Oh, okay. All right. So I'm guessing that you had some familiarity with, with South Louisiana then, if you're, yes. if you're from the Houston area. So mm -hmm. as a senior on this team that has just made a complete turnaround, you know about South Louisiana, but did you know about Southeastern Louisiana? No, not until after I committed. When I was telling people, so many more people were like, oh, yeah, I went to school there. And I was like, how come no one told me this until after <laughs> I already committed? I thought like our neighbors went there and I was like, oh, my gosh. Well, that's crazy. Um, so were you recruited by Coach White or were you recruited by Jim Smoot? Yes, by Coach White. OK, so what was because, I mean, four years ago, the recruiting pitch had to be much different than it is now you know now we're competing for conference championships back then there wasn't much to pitch you so what did excite you about the opportunity to to play for southeastern well honestly he was uh recruiting me when he worked at his previous school but that okay. previous school didn't have my major and I was like sorry like I can't go like I liked him as a coach and right. like getting to know him. So when he transferred, or not transferred, but when he moved schools to uh, Southeastern, I was like, hey, they have my major. Like, I'm still interested in you as a coach. Like, I don't mind about the program. Like, I know he has the tendency to turn programs around. Like, it was just a cool experience to get to go. When you say his previous school, Northwestern Oklahoma or where? Yes. So that's another thing because, you know, in let's say football, for example, if, if just because a coach is – you have a great relationship with the coach. A player is not going to just go to a D2 as opposed to a D1 just for a coach. So is that different in the world of volleyball? Is there not much of an, is there not as much of an emphasis on the D1 versus D2 NAIA stuff like that? Or is that just a preference with you? There is a little bit, but honestly, when you want to play, it doesn't really matter the division. Like gotcha. if your goal is just to play, obviously everyone wants to go D1, but there are just some schools that are interested in just some schools that aren't. And when a majority of them are in a certain division, it's just, it's not hard feelings. It's not like a dig in your personal um, playing ability. It's just like, you want to play and here's what it's offering you. It's so not a business. I'm wanting to go to higher divisions. Right. 
So I, I, I always love hearing about everybody's recruiting journey. What, you know, what schools were you looking at? And then um, by the time senior day rolled around, how long had you, or signing day, not senior day, how long had you already committed? Oh, it's hard for me to remember. My recruiting process, I think, was definitely different than most people's because I went through it all. But then after a while, I was like, I don't really think I want to play. So I stopped it all and I was just like, I want to focus on school. But then when Coach White moved, I was like, OK, well, I think I can like get back in it. So then I talked to a couple other schools, like some in Tennessee and uh, Massachusetts. But ultimately, mm -hmm. I just chose Southeastern. I can't really remember how long it was before signing day. So that's interesting. So do you think that, you know, if Coach White doesn't get this job, obviously you're not at Southeastern, uh, but your life as a whole is changed. I mean, because you, for someone who doesn't know their senior, if they're going to play college volleyball, it's crazy that you've played four years of it. I mean, that's wild to me. Yeah, <laughs> it really, it really is. I wasn't sure how I was feeling my, when I was 18, my club season, I, I wasn't really sure if I was feeling, I wasn't sure because I wasn't really enjoying my coach is why I didn't want to play mm -hmm. or if I really just wasn't enjoying volleyball and I didn't want to end it all just because I wasn't enjoying the coach. So I decided to just keep playing and I really do like it. Yeah. And uh, I, I want to know, like, do you have any advice because every year, not just at Southeastern, but I, if you look at every volleyball roster across the nation, D1, D2, D3, NAI, anything like that, there are so many rosters that where'd this freshman go? Freshman doesn't come back for their sophomore year. Do you have any advice for players who maybe they're getting through their freshman year this year? They're wondering, do I keep going? I mean, what, do you have any advice for them to, I, I guess, um, if they would like to prolong their careers? I would say stick with it. Uh, I think your freshman year of college is just hard in general. It's a change from high school and then adding on being a student athlete, which most people are still student athlete, but it's different in college. There's more of a commitment. You're not babied as much, like it's stricter. So it does feel like it's a lot and that you might not be having the best time, but that's everywhere, everyone. Like you just have to get used to it and build a routine that you're just more used to because high school is just way different. You have a routine set for yourself, but now you have to sort of make one and stay disciplined with it. Now you talk about uh, it's different from high school. Did you have the opportunity to, to win a state championship in high school? No, for um, I went to school in Katy ISD, even though I live in Brookshire, I'm like right okay. on the border. So I did everything in Katy, which is still a suburb of Houston. Houston's huge. Right. Yep. Um, and it's different in Katie or the Houston ISD district. Um, making playoffs or even winning state is very difficult. Like it's the structure right. of it's a little different. Honestly, just making it into the playoffs is really well. And then normally once you make it, you end up playing someone in your own ISD and knocking them out. So yeah. I don't know. It's yeah. just a little different, but no, I do not. We've made it to playoffs. I think my high school this year, they went the furthest ever. They got second. I know. Well, the, the reason I wanted to ask, and we can, we can talk more because I have some familiarity with, with the way that Texas operates and it's insane. Um, so this is your first, I guess, school championship. That's, yeah. that's, that's awesome. 
Yes, and have my senior year. So way to go out with a bang. Right. <laughs> I mean, and 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 I talked about it with Coach White when when he was on the the turnaround that this program has made. I mean, when you committed this, this couldn't have even been an idea for the program, and now I think it's starting to become the standard. Um, just the progress that you've seen the program make from when you first arrived to even your sophomore and junior year. And now what you guys have been able to accomplish uh, during your final season, that has to be, um, is it at times like hard to believe the progression? Sometimes when I look back, I'm like, wow, I can't believe from where I started to where I am now. Like the difference is crazy, but also looking back, you can see the amount of hard work everybody's put in and just, knowing that it's all paid off to this is just amazing. Yeah. And then, you know, you're talking about Texas is just crazy. I I work in Shreveport. And so I, we cover over in in East Texas, it's 64 teams and they're not seated one through 64. You kind of have to make it through your region first. You got to make it through your district, your area. I personally love that that's kind of how district champions are crowned is through the playoffs. I think it's something Louisiana should do personally. Um, But how much of that, the talent in Texas and you're right, winning a state championship is just, if you win a state championship, it's unbelievable. The talent level in Texas helped prepare you for where you are now. I think it really did. Like for me personally, I, don't do well with like a really big block or at least I didn't previously and there is a girl I want to say her name was Laura and she used to play I'm not really sure where but she really challenged me as an opponent she has the biggest block in the world and I be able to came oh my gosh sorry I was able to fix that <laughs> like my junior and senior year and so then when I got to college it wasn't as big of an issue because college blockers are huge they're all six foot plus <laughs> yes and I wanted to ask about that, you know, going into an environment like Minnesota, Big Ten athletes like Minnesota has, how do you even prepare for it? Are you able to prepare at all before you get on the court? Or is it kind of, you know, once you're out there, you're adjusting on the fly? Uh, I think it's a little bit of both. We could definitely prepare with film and then we'll do like a scout team versus us and we'll like run once I will run their defense and we'll try to find ways to score um on them and then we'll have our coaches will step in you know they're huge and that'll cover that aspect or we'll practice like on boxes like I think we'll be fine but part of it is on the fly because doing drills is different than gameplay for sure so you're gonna have to learn to overcome something because some things might be different from what they even did in film what is the worst feeling is is it um, is there a worse feeling, I guess, than getting your shot blocked? It's got to be humbling. Um, because it doesn't happen like all the time. It's not really too bad. It's humbling when it happens every single time you go to swing, then it's like, wow, this is difficult. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing, but because it doesn't happen often, it's just sort of like, okay, they got one. I'll, I'll hit into my block and I'll get them vice versa. So it sort of evens out. When is the last time that happened? Just back to back to back like that. Oh, God. Um, honestly, I don't. Be, for my position, you really don't get set as often. I feel like it might happen more as an outside because you get so many. Gotcha. Balls, it might happen a couple of times in a row. But I'm because I don't get set as often. It really doesn't happen 
where I'm blocked multiple times in a row. It might happen once and then it'll happen maybe the next set. It won't happen every single time I swing. You see, I made it through, I made it so far through the interview without having to admit that I don't know too much about volleyball <laughs> after my illustrious intramural career where I, I don't even know if we had positions, but I, I got hit in the face many times by anyway um (laughs) look I made it that far so what is the difference so we'll explain it outside hitter and middle hitter what is the difference in responsibilities there um we each for a middle you're doing all of the blocking no matter where it is on which side you're moving to the left you're moving to the right you're staying middle you're doing all of it as an outside you're only on the left side of the court Mm-hmm. Only blocking responsibility on the left. You're only hitting on the left. You might pass like in the middle, but mostly to the left side. And they get all of the jump balls. Any ball that can't be set to me or the right side, they get it. It could be coming from off the court somewhere, and they somehow have to deal with it. They have more of the cleanup job than any of the other hitting positions. So I think that can be a little difficult. But they get more hitting opportunities as well. So because they get more hitting opportunities, how do you end up leading the, uh, the team in points then explain the point system only. Um, well, actually, no. Okay. Kaylin actually has the most Kaylin has, it's because they have it. Uh, they have it numerically. And so on on the website, that explains so much. Never mind. That's (laughs) that question wouldn't make sense. Okay. Another dumb question for someone who doesn't understand volleyball here. When you've got a long rally, people are diving all over the floor. Are you thinking in the middle of it, we need to win this point or else all this is going to waste? Um, not really. I think sometimes when you pressure yourself to get the kill now or to win the point, you end up making the error. It's just sort of keep, not really keep the ball going, but when it comes back, keep it going and focus on making good contact. Just focus on the basics and eventually the kill will come. And don't try to force anything. So if it's not a good opportunity, you'll make the mistake. But when it's there, you have to go for it. And then continuing uh, just, I guess it's just, whenever you get to interview someone who is so good at a sport that you were awful at, it's cool to find <laughs> out how people are good at it. How is no one serving the ball off the side of their hand at the college level everyone is good at serving like is it even is it just muscle memory for you guys yeah for the most part you do it so often we do it every single day in practice like we dedicate like 10 minutes to the beginning of practice just serving and then some drills require me to serve for another 20 minutes so I'm doing like 30 minutes of just serving almost every day so you're gonna end up being really good at it I mean, I think that's like the crazy part is like, even when I was a student and we're like, okay, let's try to make, let's try to get us a service error, right? It doesn't happen. So that kind of of parlays into um, the home court advantage. You're going into a hostile environment like Minnesota, but do you feel that that's more of an advantage for them as opposed to a disadvantage for you guys? I'm sorry. You were, you froze for a second. I didn't hear the question. That's okay. It gives me a second chance to, to ask it. So <laughs> here we go. You're going into a hostile environment in Minnesota. Um, but do you feel like that's more of an advantage to them as, a, as opposed to a disadvantage to you guys or the visiting team? Because the crowd can kind of give them some energy 
but it's not really going to mess with what you guys are doing. Exactly. I don't think it gives us a disadvantage, but I think there's always an advantage while being at home and having your fans supporting you. Like it just gives extra energy to be honest, but at the same time, everybody's been the away team. Everybody knows that this is just something that happens and that you can work through it. And you have to just realize to control the energy on your side of the court. You can't really change what they're doing or what the fans are doing. Just focus it on what you can control. And that's our energy, our effort, and like the way we treat our teammates. And uh, Crispin, you know, maybe your final volleyball game. I'm sorry to, 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 you know, lower the mood here to ruin (laughs) it for you, but does does is that gone through your mind yet that this might be it did the southland tournament kind of help with that that you were already kind of facing it you know what are the emotions like now that you know it's it's really winding down for you um i think i, I was injured right before our conference conference tournament and i thought our game against northwestern was my last mm-hmm. game and so i was like okay well that sort of puts some perspective, but honestly, because it did sort of help, like, even though it might be my last game, I don't think volleyball is completely out of my life. Like I still have friends that I play. Um, I've always coached volleyball, so I'll probably do that when I go back home. Like it doesn't feel like it ever really ends. Exactly. And I think that that's, um, I think it's one of those sports where if you are around it in some capacity, I, I wasn't really around it until I graduated. You know, I, I followed Southeastern, but I didn't really follow the high school stuff in Louisiana. And I got an opportunity to, and it is, it's a family and it's something that you, you stick around for so long. What is it about volleyball that makes it such a, uh, a communal sport? Because it feels like everyone that plays it wants to help everyone out and everybody wants to grow it. What sets it apart from, you know, basketball, football, and even other Olympic sports, you know, we don't see it in golf, you know, what is it about <laughs> volleyball? Well, I think it's because it really is a team sport. One thing can't happen without relying on your other teammates. And because of that, you sort of become a family and your family sort of grows with each team you make and the parents that are involved in your coaches, and even though you, they may not be in your lives anymore, you'll still keep in touch. Like my high school coach, I still talk to her, like, I think I was driving her kid to practice when I was home for uh, summer. So, like, even though, like, you may not be a part of the team, like, the communication that y'all have or the link that y'all have, the relationship, like, never really dies, no matter where you go. So, I feel like that really helps. We're going to we're gonna try to uh, dive deep here. Who, um, who are you going to miss the most from Southeastern? If you had to pick one person. Oh, that's hard. You got to pick one. (laughs) Or if you want to, if you want to, you know, try to skew the rules a little bit, you can just name them all, all at once. (laughs) And they can be a collective group. Honestly, I think my fellow seniors, I've been with them the longest and we're just so close that I think it'll be really hard to leave them. So Ari, Jolie, Addie, like we've been through it all four, three years with Addie together. And it just really helps. You guys thought you would be heading to Houston. You see Minnesota pop up. What's going through your head? That was a big shock. I was like, oh, no, it's cold. (laughs) (laughs) It's so cold there. And I really, like, because I'm from Houston, I was like, I really hope we play U of H to my parents. Yeah. 
but we're all in Minnesota. I think it'll still be fun. I don't think anyone's been there before on the team. So I think it'll still be really fun. And I think the game will be challenging. Oh, hundred percent. I, I, and, uh, and that's another thing I was talking about the coach white, just the opportunity that you guys have in front of you. No one is giving you guys a chance going in, but Hey, you get to 25 first in that first set. Suddenly people are paying attention. Exactly. Just what is that like to have the opportunity on the national stage to, to, to really shock the volleyball world? Uh, I think sometimes it can be a lot of pressure to do really well, but at the same time, I think we're all here for the experience and it's going to be really fun and just getting to play together again. It'll just be really exciting. And no matter what happens, I think we'll have a really good time. And as long as we do like really well and do our best, I honestly don't think we'll do bad by any means. So. I've loved hearing that so much from last night. And then with you, everyone just says, we're just going to have fun. Like, just talk about the the friendship that is Southeastern volleyball, because it just feels like you guys are such a tight group and you love each other so much. Yes. Like we are all really close. We all hang out like outside of volleyball. Like it's not just a friendship that is inside of volleyball. It can expand. We can all hang out outside of school or however you want to say, but at the same time, because we're so close, if there's any like animosity, we can like call it out. Like if there's any mm-hmm. attitude on the court, we're, like, we're close enough to be like, hey, like stop. That's creating bad volleyball. Like you need to pick it up. Like your attitude is affecting everybody else on the court. We're close enough to where we can call each other out, even if there's things going on. But at the end of the day, we all know it's not personal. It's just to help win the game. Crispin Adams. Middle hitter, Southeastern Volleyball. One final question for you. What is, um, what is your favorite restaurant in Hammond? Um, our mom's, for sure. What do you, what do you get? Um, I used to get the mac and cheeseburger. That was my yep. favorite. But I stopped eating dairy like a couple years, my sophomore year, just because I didn't really like dairy products. I'm not lactose lactose intolerant but now i get the fried pickle burger that is so okay all right i'm still on the mac and cheese burger whenever i get down there Mm -hmm. but fried pickle burger i might have to check it out crispin adams southeastern volleyball they take on minnesota on friday round one of the ncaa volleyball tournament crispin thank you so much yes thank you for having me this was fun Huge thanks to Crispin Adams. The Lady Lions travel to Minneapolis on Friday to take on the University of Minnesota. And with that, we'll wrap up the show by previewing that matchup. Number eight national seed, Minnesota, taking on the Southeastern Lions. Minnesota, 20-8 and eight this year, and you're, and you're wondering probably along with me before I you know really looked into it how does a team that's 20 and 8 wind up as one of the top teams in the country well they defeat number 16 Baylor they lose to the top team in the country in Texas they defeat number 13 Florida number 18 Oregon number 11 Stanford 22nd ranked Pepperdine 11th ranked Purdue 6th ranked Wisconsin the Big 10 is essentially Everyone's ranked. And so you go 20 and 8, but you defeat the number one team, 
in the country, the number eight team, the number five team, and you end up here. 7 p.m. on Friday. Let's see if Minneapolis is in uh, the central time zone. Or if it's... uh, Yes, okay, so 7 o'clock against Southeastern. Minnesota obviously has not played uh, a Southland Conference school this year. They actually haven't played... Anyone that's not in one of the Power Five conferences, except Pepperdine. But Pepperdine's ranked. So, I mean, they have not seen a mid-major all year. They've never won a national championship. And, again, they are 11-4 and four at home. Half their losses came at home. Half of them came on the road. They are 1-0 and this year in neutral site games. Now, for Southeastern... Again, 14 and 0 at home, amazing. On the road, 4 and 7. Which is to be expected with any mid-major school. 4 and 7 on the road. And uh let's see the last time we played a Power 5 school. Cuz I don't think we did this year. No, this year we we did not. Let's go back to last season. Mississippi State to open uh, early in the year, and then Auburn. So it looks like Auburn last year was our last uh, last Power 5 game. We lost uh, three sets to none. We took a set from Mississippi State last year, losing, uh, losing three sets to one. Look, I, I just, I'm just excited. I'm just excited to to watch us try to shock the world. That's truly what this is. I've been very happy that people have been getting the name of the school right, it seems, in the lead-up. It's cool to see there's actual genuine interest in Southeastern Volleyball, which there really has never been. But let's take a look at their roster, and this is the concerning part. So they are going to go with a 6-3 setter, a 6-3 middle blocker, and then this is where it gets to be a lot. 6-5 outside hitter. 6-3 middle blocker. We have two players on our team that are 6-1. Those are the only... Or uh, rather, two of the three players who are 6-foot on our team. So I think that's that's the concern. Is Are we going to be able to match them? And... It's, I mean, that's that's the case anytime you get into the NCAA tournament. you got a mid-major taking on a Power 5 school. Is In basketball, you're not going to have a 7-footer. And if you do, that 7-footer probably is not going to be as skilled as North Carolina or Duke's 7-footer or Kansas's 7-footer. 
Taylor Landfair leads them in points. She's got 499. She's one away from 500 on the season. And then um, the leader in kills is, is Landfair as well with 443. So... Just don't let her. Uh, just don't let her do well, and and we'll be fine. At the end of the day, it's not so much about previewing the game. It's about what we've been able to do to get here, and it has been awesome. You know, our win loss record is incredible twenty five and seven. Just unreal. So, anyway, three days, eight hours, thirty three minutes from uh, the time of this recording. We will play in the NCAA tournament on ESPN Plus, 7 p.m. on Friday. All right, um, depending on when you listen to this, which is tonight, if, uh, if you're listening to it on Tuesday, it's tonight. We will travel to LSU. Women's basketball will take on LSU tonight, looking for their first win over LSU since the 1978-1979 season. They are the number 12 team in the country, are the the Tigers of LSU. So that game is on uh that game's on the SEC Network Plus Wednesday if you're listening on Wednesday. Uh we already beat LSU 99-48. What a upset that was all right uh wednesday we're on national television men's basketball traveling to xavier of ohio uh fs1 7 30 tip as uh we look to go on the road and beat xavier and then uh that's it until friday volleyball on friday big day on saturday we're gonna take on dayton we're staying in ohio to take on dayton at 1 p.m and then of course 2 p.m take on Samford in the FCS playoffs. Before we go, I want to um I just want to thank everybody who has taken the time to listen to the show. Obviously, it's all still brand new. We're still working out the bugs of what's entertaining. Oh, we I am trying to work out the bugs of what's entertaining. You know, trying to um I guess maybe keep my thoughts a little shorter because it's a long time to talk and stay engaging, stay entertaining. Um that being said, the feedback has been phenomenal, and it is just the greatest feeling in the world. Um, and so I just I, I want to thank everyone who's taken the time to listen. I want to thank you know everyone who has been so great to me um, throughout my time around Southeastern. That's so much of the reason why I'm in the position to even do this show now is because I have a love for the university and a love for Lion Athletics, and that's so largely uh, due to the relationships and the kindness that people showed me while I was there. I hope we never stop doing that in Hammond, America. I know we won't. And um, so, yeah, enough sentimental stuff. I figured that would be the way I closed the show. We'll be back on Friday with uh, our FCS Round two playoff preview, Southeastern and Samford. We'll have a ton to talk about on Friday's show. 
Until then, it's lying up over everything. This is the state of Southeastern.